Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If someone's your child, then your child, your DNA is running through them. If you've been born again by the Spirit of God, then God's Spirit is in you and He's not taking it back. So you can't ever fall back into another position. You could mess up, but He's still a dad and you're still a son or a daughter. And so, I, I believe why Paul went this vein with them. Paul saying, "Look, don't, don't, don't cheat the relationship. God is don't, don't. Why would you choose to be a slave or a servant when you could be a son?" God's love for you is unconditional. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains to you the promise that God says He will never leave or forsake you. God's love for you as His child is never changing. His love and character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you go astray, he is never going to give up on you. Pastor Bill reminds you that God's ways are not man's ways. Mankind can be prone to turning their backs on others, but this is not the case with God. He will never turn his back on you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Stay in the Word. Why? So you can know the God that you that did all these things. You'll know Him better. So you'll worship Him according to His truth. We don't we don't say do that. You're not. I'm not a better Christian than you. If I read the Word, God doesn't look upon me more favorably because I read every day. But you know what will be different? I'll know God better. I'll know how to pray better. I'll know what He likes and hates better. I'll understand how to relate to him better because I'm spending time in his word being where he's revealing himself. Doesn't doesn't make me doesn't put me in a place where God's like, oh, I love you more because you you did that reading this morning, boy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm when you pray, I'm, I'm all ears. Them, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not going to listen to them today. You know, I'm clogging up my ears for that day. They, they, they did one of them one verse reads. I'm not giving them no time. You know, God's not like that. He he's available. He loves us. We're not earning anything. Uh, and I want us to understand that, that because um, that's what God wants. God's, I want you to understand grace. But I believe when we understand grace, we won't out of legalism do more. We will out of worship do more. And what we'll do out of worship is far greater than what you do out of legalism. If I'm just trying to earn favor, there's a point where I'm like, I don't want it that bad. You know, if I, I got to do all that for you to like me, then I end here. But if it's out of worship, you died for me. I was going to hell. Now I'm going to heaven. I used to be blind. Now I can see. I, I did not know God. I was not looking for God. God came pursuing and looking and found me. Now, God, I'll go to the ends of the earth. Whatever you want, you can have it. And so it, it just looks different and it tastes different. And then, and then it, it removes that part of us that wants to be proud and arrogant because this happens in, you know, in religious settings where men feel like they've earned what they have. Uh, it leaves room for pride, spiritual pride, which it may be one of the ugliest forms of pride. We're proud of what we do and what we don't do. Um, you know, I may find that you do something that, that I don't do. I had a person that was very proud of the fact that <laughs> that they didn't um, they didn't watch any kind of violence. You know, they don't I don't know no boxing or I just don't see that. I don't believe that Christians could punch each other in the face. I said, you heard Paul's teachings? Paul was giving sport. And Paul was like, look, I, I'm like, I don't want to be like a boxer boxing to win. You know, I want to connect when I throw a blow. You know, I'm like, Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He, he was using sports. And now that brother was at the Coliseum watching sports, I believe, you know. So, <laughs> you know, we can get so deep and be so shallow at the same time. 
Please don't be that Christian. He says now in verse four, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman under the law. And the fullness of time refers to this is the, the time appointed by God where he was finally going to bring it into the law and bring people into fullness of relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ. Verse five, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that was the goal of God. He was going to redeem those who were under the law. So there were Jews who were under the law that couldn't keep it, that were bummed out, that they couldn't keep it. And God says, I'm going to redeem all you guys out of that. There'd be a, like a rescue attempt to bring all of you out of a place where you're, you couldn't keep the law you were trying to keep. And God said, look, I'm bringing Jesus Christ who did it for you. And I think for the Jewish people who understood it right, that were there, that were under the law, they were like, man, this is, this is laborious. I can't do it all. And then Jesus came and said, look, I did it all for you. Receive me. I believe that had to be so liberating and freeing and just set you free. And that's why earlier on in Galatians, it said that these Galatians who were enjoying all the liberty of Christ, they didn't have to keep all the extra rules. They didn't have to wear the special religious clothing. They didn't have to wash a certain way. They didn't have to go to certain days. They just got free to love Jesus uh, according to the word of God and says that they came out and spied out their liberty. And they were looking and seeing like, oh, you guys eat whatever you want. That's not, no, nah, that, that can't be right. You're just going to wear that to the temple today? No, nah, no, nah, that, that, that can't be right. And I'm going to tell you that we don't have Jewish custom, but we have Christian groups that do similar stuff. I try to be very cautious about putting on people more than what the word puts on people because the word puts enough on us. If you study the word, there's enough commands here for New Testament saved folk that we need to abide by that we don't need to add anything uh, to it. You know, there's enough there. And so, you know, God says, Look, I can't set you guys free of that. There are in Christian circles. I met this week with a friend of mine that was previously a uh, hardcore Pentecostal legalistic church minister. And when we first start meeting, um, he was grieved at what was happening in his group. Um, he told me a story about a lady who came to church and they were trying to lead her to the Lord. And she found out she had cancer and finally came. And he said somebody got up out of the behind him from the, the choir stands. He's at the pool. He said before this woman can get to a seat, somebody from up here left, made their way all the way down to where she was. And whatever they said, she never even stayed for service. She just left. And it was like, that's that's legalism that that woman couldn't even come get a seat. You know, my, this is my heart. Right. If if the church is to be like a hospital, I'm not really going to concern myself with how you come in. If you come into a hospital, you might be bleeding. You might be leaking. But I can't say, don't, don't bleed here. Sanitize. Get out of here until you quit bleeding. And that's what the hospital's for. You might come in here a mess. It's happened. People have come in here and, and it'd be a mess. And it's like, well, come here. Come here. Message. Come here. What the Lord has done. They have to be able to come. We wouldn't say on site. Get out. You know. Those sort of things, you know, we I've known people where uh, if you're a woman and you come in for every woman here that makeup on right now. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, that's harlotry. You got that harlot paint on your face. You got to get up out of here with that. You know, if you're a woman, and you decide to put some pants on. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. You're dressing like a man. Um, and here's the thing. If you look at it, if you look at most religious stuff, most religions and most religious things, one of the hints that these things are not from God and that they've been man-made, is it's always worse to be a woman in those settings. 
You take your legalistic Pentecostal church. It's bad on the woman. There's a lot of things that women can't do. You know, what do the men can't do? Hmm. Think about that for a minute. Um, you go over to the you you go over to the mosque, right? If you're a woman, head to toe, ankle, neck to ankle, head, everything, everything. Them brothers having three, four, five, submit and be quiet, woman. Uh, you take the Mormon church. If you're a man, when you die, a good Mormon, you know what you get? You get a planet and a bunch of virgin wives to populate your planet. Yippee! If you're a man. But what's, what's a woman? I don't know no woman that's like, yay, I get to be one of, you know, no woman, no woman shouting to be one of, you know. If you're a, if you're a solid, if you're, a, if you're an orthodox Muslim and you die taking out infidels, I mean, that's the highest mark. You die taking out non-believers. You get to go to a paradise. Guess what you get to your paradise? A bunch of virgin wives. What, is it, what does a woman get? Like what, that, 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 those ought to be hints and clues that that's man-made. But you know what Christianity says to the man? Christianity says, man, you represent Christ in the, in the marriage. And the standard upon you, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting more of you. And you're going to love her like Christ loved the church and gave himself. You're going to love her. You're going to die to yourself and represent me in that household. Now, if I was writing it, I wouldn't write it like that. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it rougher on me. And so I, as you look into religion and, and things that are man-made, you know, one of the hints, it always kind of works out better for the man. You read your Bible and God says, no, man, I'm holding you to a higher standard. You're, my, you're the leader. God says things to the husband. It bothers me. He doesn't say to the wife. Husbands, dwell with her with understanding. First Peter 3, 7. Honor her as a weaker vessel and as heirs together the grace of life. Let your prayers be hindered. Well, where's the verse that says if she act up, you won't hear her when it's not in there, right? <laughs> Who wrote this? God wrote this. So I just want us to know that, you know, it should be a hint and a clue to legalism. So many things that man will add and put on stuff. Don't, don't succumb to it. Don't fall victim to it. And one thing that will keep us from legalism is staying in the word of God, where we get it from God's word, where we understand, now God, you said this. Um, and so there are some liberties and freedoms that Christ has afforded to those that believe in him. And so he wants to redeem us that he might receive us. Um, verse five, to redeem those who are under the law that he might receive, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And I want to point this out for when he uses adoption here, he uses the Roman word. And the idea here of adoption is not like what we do. When we think of adoption, it is you taking someone else's child and making them your own adoption. When he says adoption here, he's speaking of um, in the New Testament, Adoption is putting putting a believer um, into the position of mature sons where they have all the privileges and all the responsibilities. So it's taking like that that previous situation where you might be in the home. You may all the things are coming to you eventually, but you're not 40 yet. You're not you're not having all the rights. Um, they're brought in when God says I adopt you as sons. When I bring you into relationship with me, rather you're 10 years old or 60 years old, when you come to Christ, you have full access to everything that he is and everything he makes available. Um, if you're a 60-year-old saint, do you have more access than a 10-year-old saint? No, not, not in Christ. There's equality there. God says, look, both of you guys have access. If you're a male or a female, who has more access? Nobody. We both can come. If you're a pastor and you're a parishioner, who has more? You guys both have the same thing. That's what we looked at at the, at the end of chapter three. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Culture doesn't matter. There's neither bond nor free. Status doesn't matter. There's neither male nor female. Sexes don't matter. There's an equality in this. Every one of us needs what Christ is offering. and We come the same way. Amen. Amen. And so 
Uh, verse six says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And the thing that causes the child of God to, to yearn and to cry out, Abba, Father, God says, it's a work of the spirit. The moment you believe, the moment you place your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, the Bible says that God places his Holy Spirit within you. The spirit of God comes to live inside you and God says the spirit of God in you cries out. Abba Father. And uh, that's a, the Abba is a, it's a, it's a com combination of the Arabic and Greek word for father. And it's a little more enduring than, endearing than just father. It's like daddy. It's like a little kid, you know, reaching up and just saying daddy, you know, and um, or dad. Or some kids say papa or whatever, you know, it's it's an endearing term. But God said that's the relationship that you have with me. And I would just challenge us to consider that. While in Paul's day, these the, the Galatians were being kind of pulled away from this sweet relationship where the spirit is saying, you know, daddy, you know, Abba, father. When you think about how a child cries out to a dad. There's faith. There's trust. There's an awareness that, you know, that he will do. You know, I remember my kids, you know, it, it was flattering. Uh, I forgot which one of the girls it was, but they had a balloon and they let the balloon go way up in the air and they just let it go. Like, OK, they, they're watching it go. And then once it got way up, they're like, daddy, get it. I was like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was flattering. I'm like, yeah, that means that they thought, I, they thought, they thought I could actually get it. I said, man, I'm gonna take you back in and get you another one because I'm so flattered that you thought I could just get it. Uh, but I, you know, you're gonna need a heavenly father for that. I'm, I'm, I'm I got limitations, but you know, just the the faith and the hope that a kid looks to their daddy and they cry out. And so, I believe that that may be one of the reasons why in our world and culture there's such a you know, uh, I, I, I can't even say it's an attack, you know, because people succumb to it. But um, I just want you to consider why what the enemy might do through all of the children that are brought into the world without a dad, because women are laying up with men that they haven't married. Men are laying up with women that they haven't married. And we're making children with people that we're not in relationship. We're not in covenant relationship with until so we're bringing children into the world that don't have the covering of both mom and dad and I just want you to consider that so many kids have such a marred view because they haven't had a dad or they've had a distant dad they've had a dad that mom wasn't married to so though there's a dad mom doesn't like him and kept him away and all these different dramas that kids have come up under and so so many kids have come up with a, a marred image of a dad and the Bible when the Bible says oh we cry out Abba Father Daddy for some kids, they're like, that's a sour point. That's not, it doesn't minister to them. It doesn't, it's not sweet and soothing. They've never known that. And, and I would just say, for those that are here that would say, I've never had that, that you can still have that with God. You can still have that with the Lord. But I would say to those of us that are at an age of marrying and making kids, never mind what you've done, but you make sure that you don't mar that image up for your kids. Uh, make sure that daddy is a sweet thing for your kids. If you're blessed to be one, then you make sure you be one. And if uh, you haven't, if you are not married and you are laying up with somebody that you're not married to and, and leaving the potentiality of making kids with somebody you're not married to, first of all, you're sinning against God. So you're, that's messing up your relationship with God, but you're sinning against God in a very selfish way because of the potential for you to bring people, other lives that have nothing to do with what you're doing right now into this world in a way that's not going to be a blessing. And then you're going to be a parent talking about, I love you. And so if you really love the kids you're going to have, best thing you can do for the kids you're going to have is love God right now 
and not be having sex with somebody you're not married to. Um, I love sex. Sex is a beautiful thing. And when you bring that thing inside the confines of marriage, you can ask our married people. I tell our married people, do it, do it and do it some more and make all the babies y'all want to make. Babies are a blessing from the Lord there. That's within the confines of marriage. Boom. Have at it. The Lord blesses. You can actually worship afterwards. Um, but uh, but before marriage, y'all need to stop that. It's wrong. It's sinful. And it's damaging it's damaging lives. Um, I did youth ministry for 12 years and I ministered to 12 years of damaged lives and from selfish adults, adults that are just doing whatever. So wherever you may be right now, um, if you're in the midst of it, I hope that you will hear God and halt on that. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to come up off of that. So uh, I want to point this out as well. At the end of verse six, it says, and because you are. Um, because your sons, we have the, the spirit yearning inside of us, crying out, Abba, Father. And then verse seven, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ. And so this is what it's saying there. Look, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer someone that's serving or working in the house. You're no longer someone that's under the rule of the restrictions. You're a son. You have full access. And the best thing I was thinking of biblical illustrations, and I want you guys to think about the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to go to it, but I want you to consider it with me. The prodigal son story goes like this. There was a, a father. He had a household. He was wealthy. He had servants. He had two sons that we know of. And there was a son that came to his dad and said, Dad, give me the part of the inheritance I get. I want it now. And, you know, I've always read that. And I thought if one of my kids came up to me and said, Dad, uh, could I have what I'm going to get when you die? Now, um, how many of you guys feel like that's disrespectful? That's disrespectful. Um, you wouldn't get it. Uh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not done saving. I'm taking your name off the thing now anyway. So so don't kill me either. You know, I mean, that would be really disrespectful. And that's I think that was the point of the story to just show this kid had no regard. But, you know, what the father did. He gave it to him. This father, the picture of our heavenly father, he gave it to him and he left and he went off and he lived a reckless, sinful life. He spent all the money. He partied. He probably did it all. He had a great time, ran out of money. And when you run out of money, you run out of friends. And he found himself out there in the world broken, you know, with nothing. And he got a job uh, feeding pigs. Now, if you're a Jew, that's just you just that's not how you get down. You don't mess with the pigs. But he got a job feeding pigs. I don't know if you guys have ever seen pigs eat. Pigs eat whatever. They eat, we go, they just give pigs slop. They just they mush up a bunch. Of, I won't even gross you out with it. But they they feed the pigs that. And it says he got to the point. Where he was so hungry and nobody gave him anything that he was about ready to feed himself with the pig's food. And I've been hungry before, but I've never been so hungry. I looked at the, the dog food and said, you know what, this, this kibble, this kibble might be what I got to do, you know. Um, I've never been that hungry in my life, you know, where I would consider any animal food for food. But he was so hungry, he considered this slop. And then it says he came to himself. And you remember, he came up with his little pre-planned speech. He said, I'm going to go back to my father's house. My father has workers and servants that live better than me. I'm going to go back and tell my dad, dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. Just, just hire me. Just make me a servant. And he went back. And you guys know the story. As he was walking down the road, his dad was sitting up on the porch, it sounds like. And when his dad saw him afar off, what did his dad do? He got up and he ran. And, you know, Jewish men don't run. You know, if you think you think brothers are cool and, you know, just I, mean, I walk, don't run. You know, I walk with a swag. Jewish men, just did, you don't run. But it says he got up and he ran out to him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he received him. You know what he did? 
Everything a son gets, he immediately gave it to him. Put the ring, the signet ring. That means you got authority right now to, to make decisions here again. Sandals on his feet, a new robe on him. Told him, kill the fatted calf. We're going to make a celebration. My son that was dead is now alive. Here's the thing. This son, this son came back saying, you know what? I'm just going to come back because I messed up. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to just be a servant. I'm going to just be a slave. You know the dad said? No, you're not. But you're always a son. You'll always be a son. And maybe you've messed up and you're walking with the Lord and say, you know, I'm just... You know, I'm messed up. I'm not worthy. I'm just, God, I'm just going to serve you. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to give money and then that'll show you that I love you. I'm just going to do this. God said, no, 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 you can't, you can't become a slave now. You're a son and you're going to always be a son. And you know why he was a son? Because the dad is good. The son was bad. Amen. Amen. That, that's you and me. But the dad is good. The dad is good. And so God says, look, don't, don't cheat yourself. The relationship I'm giving you is a son and I'm not changing my mind. I told you guys earlier, son and daughter is interchangeable. It's not just for the males. It's either way. But God said, you're not going to be a servant anymore. You're going to be a son and you're not going to earn my favor. You're not going to come. You're going to be my child. And when God starts a relationship with us, he's on his end. He's not changing. If you become a child of God, can you unbecome a child of God? No, I don't believe you can lose salvation if you really have it. God, I believe that the Lord chastens those that are his. If you're God's child and you start tripping, you're going to get spanked. The discipline of God can result in death. The Bible teaches that. But you're not going to, not, you're not, you're not going to stop being a child. I got four kids. They'll always be my children. They might rebel against me, disobey me, disrespect me, run away from me. But wherever they end up on the planet Earth, it's my kids. My, my DNA is running through there. I have a sister that I never met. I have a, my dad found out last Sunday. Uh, I met her this Wednesday. She came to first service um, and it was an awesome scenario what the Lord did. She thought somebody else was her dad because she had been told that he died. Uh, she was doing a DNA search to find out what part of Africa she was really from because she was going to visit Africa. She went to go where she was actually from and she put her DNA out there. My dad just so happened to be doing the same thing. Want to find out what tribe, you know, we really from. And uh, and so they both found this thing and it, it tells you. If you got family members or people, it tells you the potentiality of the relationship. And so there'll be, no, this person's a potential cousin. This person's a potential sibling. Well, she got a mark that said, this is your father. And the highest percent it could be is 50. It's 49. Uh, 49. This is your dad. And she sent a note. And boop, 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 remember all the thing. And then my dad said, no, they figured out. He put the story together. He said, yep, I was. Oh, yep, I did that. I did that. <laughs> I, said, I did that. <laughs> and, uh, and so we met. And you know what? It's been a beautiful thing because for her, I think there's been healing. Um, my dad is my dad. My dad's a stand up dad. You know, my dad raised me, my sister and my older brother. You know, um, he, he never knew that she was. And so he's taken her in, you know, as a family, we've taken her in and and just reached out. But here's the thing, you know, now for all those years that it was unknown, but he found out last Sunday, you know, they've been together every day. My dad's like, we just got we pick up from here. This is this is my child. And so my other children come meet my child. This is your sister. This, and so everybody's like, hey, we, this, this is family now. And we're moving forward like that. So here's the thing. I, I, I'm looking at that. I would just hey, it's crazy that it happened this week when I'm studying this. And it's just like it's, it's, it's unchangeable. It just is. You can't change it. It's, if someone's your child, they're your child. Your DNA is running through them. If you've been born again by the spirit of God, then God's spirit is in you and he's not taking it back. So you can't ever fall back into another position. You can mess up. But he's still a dad and you're still a son or a daughter. And so I, I, I believe why Paul went this vein with them. Paul saying, look, don't don't 
Don't cheat the relationship. God is don't don't. Why would you choose to be a slave or a servant when you could be a son? Exactly with the prodigals. I'm going to go be a servant. Thank you for joining us today on A Transforming Word. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington as he continues through the book of Galatians. In Galatians 5, Paul discusses what it means to be set free by Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law and set us free from it. But Paul doesn't see that as an excuse to do whatever we want. In verse 13, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, you and I have been set free, and now we can love one another. Without the weight of sin on our shoulders, we are free to serve. We hope today's message has encouraged you on your walk with Christ. If you want to hear today's message again, you can listen later on YouTube. You'll find the link on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. You can find a link to our mobile app as well. We have so many additional messages you can listen to that will help you in your walk. We also live stream the weekend services of Calvary Chapel Inglewood on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. Check us out at 9 or 11, Sunday morning, online or in person. For those in the area, we also have services on Wednesday evenings at 7. Well, we're running out of time today. We're so glad you were here to grow with us. A Transforming Word will be back as we are transformed together to look more like Christ.